Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again. It is time for yet another episode of the In the Huddle Sports Podcast, episode 81. And man, oh man, are we excited today. My crew around me per usual is the real Lil, Cam Jones, a.k.a. Coach Mello, Zach Crow, and myself, Kenny C. And ladies and gents, we have a very special guest on today joining us by the name of Lake Lewis Jr., the Washington football team NFL insider, TV analyst, and owner of SportsJourney.com. He also has his own podcast called After Practice with Lake Lewis. Welcome to In the Huddle. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for reaching out and having me come on. Yes, sir. So I want to start this off by asking, can you share um, how did you get into this industry, the media industry that is, and what are some of your notable and most memorable experience that you had so far in this industry? Um, I mean, this goes back, I'm a lot older than you guys, so I don't want to date myself, but uh, <laughs> you know, this goes back to actually being a kid. You know, when I was a kid growing up in DC, I um, always wanted to be involved in sports, so I played. I ended up playing basketball and football, played basketball and football through varsity, and then I played basketball briefly at Penn State. So. You know, it was just something I wanted to do. But while I was at Penn State, I, I got the opportunity uh, to become the uh, student sports director for WPSU Radio. And, and that led me to being the um, student play-by-play -play for Penn State football for three years. And, um, you know, from there, just it opened up a lot of doors for me. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to say I have on my resume, I was a drive-time radio host uh, for ESPN Radio where – my, my daily show was done from Disney World, actually, from the ESPN Club. Uh, also, I was a senior reporter for USA Today covering Washington when they were the Redskins. So uh, I've, I've been around the block a couple times. <laughs> so right now, having my own thing with Sports Journey, um, you know, I, I'm appreciative of all the support that I've gotten, even from some of my old colleagues at the other places where I've been. Uh, you know, they, they make frequent appearances and stops on Sports Journey. So... That's my project, and it's something that I want to do. And it's also a platform to give uh, young, aspiring people like yourselves opportunities to to have a platform that's credentialed with all the major four sports leagues in the United States. So I'm proud of that accomplishment. And now, with that being said, with the great resume that you have, how big is how big truly is networking, and how big was it for you in your journey? It's huge. I mean. You know, this is a business where a lot of people don't have longevity. You know, some I know plenty of people that were in the business before me that, that you know, now are, you know, IT technicians or, you know, uh, uh, salesmen or whatever you have it. They, they just didn't make it. And um, so, you know, to be doing this 16 years later, uh, you know, steadily, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, excited about what my future holds. But, you know, as far as the networking side, you, you do. You, you have to link up with the right people because, unfortunately, there's some people in this business that don't want to help people. Um, I know people don't like me coming out and being candid about that, but I vividly recall a couple of athletes that didn't want to come on my show when I was at Disney. And then once the show took off, they were having their people call me all the time, and I just told them not interested. So, um, you know, you, you have to be humble in this. Uh, you know, when you get opportunities to help other people, you do that. You guys gave me a call and, and may not have thought it was possible, but I, I'm not one of those guys. I, I remember being in your, your shoes at one point and, 
you guys have a really nice show. You know, it's something to keep keep pushing, keep doing it. It'll get to where you want it to go. Um, you know, so I, I wanted to come on and uh, you know help you guys out a little bit. Yeah, that's a that's Thank great. You. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. my next question for you, Lake, would be, so you mentioned briefly about your time in Penn State and how really being the football team's play-by-play announcer really led to opening doors for you uh, after college. So my question for you is, besides that, when you first got out of college, what would you consider to be the turning point of your career? Was there any break or two that you got that really helped you in the industry? Because I feel like for a lot of people in the industry, that's really one thing they refer to. They say, oh, this was the turning point and this is how I really got my first opportunity. Oh, I, I vividly remember the turning point. The turning point was, so my background outside of media is, is medicine. And um, at one point I wanted to be a doctor. You know, I, uh, at Georgetown, they had a, a post-bachelorette pre-med program that I was part of. And I realized quickly, I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had to get back. But so I was working actually in the uh, in, in the health industry, and I was a, a, a pharmaceutical like recruiter, you know, research recruiter, and uh, uh, just so happened to be that the Baltimore Ravens and Ravens Radio sent some people over to try to see if they could do some advertising with my company, and they had me meet with them because of my background, and they offered me a job on the spot to leave where oh. I was and come work with them, <laughs> and. Oh. I, I got in there. I was, you know, selling radio ads and different things, but I always had my nose close to the uh, to the broadcast booth and, you know, talked to some folks and they were like, I didn't know this was your background. And I'm like, yeah. And it just so happened to be that ESPN radio in Orlando was just starting and they wanted to bring people in who could do multiple things, who could, who could sell radio ads as well as host the drive time shows, you know, and I'm like, that's me. I can do it. And I flew down and they offered me the job on the spot and asked me, could I start the following week? So I, I did, and I lived in an extended stay for like two months, you know? <laughs> so it, it was one of those things where it was, it was, my dream was right there in front of me. Now, everything that was around it wasn't necessarily the ideal situation where you had a month to, you know, relocate or whatever, but I wanted it. And I have been doing this ever since that day. So you know, it, it works. If, if, if the opportunity is there, it may not be your ideal situation, but if it puts your foot in the door, you got to put that door and keep it open and run with it. Thank you. Well, Mr. Lewis, I must say, I'm pretty impressed that, you know, you, you know, you really took the leap and in faith into this industry. I just want to know down the line, did you face any adversities prior to becoming a sports, a sports radio um, analyst? I mean, you know, it, it's tough. It weighs on your family at times. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're gone a lot, you're working. You know, media is something that, it's not a nine to five job. You know, a lot of people out there have normal jobs where they know, um, for instance, that they're gonna get paid the same amount of money every two weeks regardless. They know that, uh, you know, that they could, they could actually take a day off mentally if they want, you know, whatever their job is. You know, they could be in the office or, now that we're home in COVID, but they could they could just take a day off mentally, but go through the motions. But you you can't hide and report it. You you can't. I mean, if your work is shoddy, the fans know it. You know, if you if you write things and there's spelling errors constantly in it, fans are gonna know it. If your diction isn't proper when you're on the air, um, you know, fans are gonna know it. And for me, 
you know, I'm not just writing and doing normal quote unquote beat reporting. I'm doing TV stuff now outside of my own business, you know, so it's, it's, it's been a lot of work, but I think the adversity just, just makes you stronger. You know, it, it makes you know what you need to get better at and you never feel like you've arrived, you know, so you know, I appreciate you guys, you know, calling me a special guest, but I, I'm still Link. I'm still same here from Northeast DC. You know, I, I live out in Ashburn now, so it's a little different, <laughs> but with, with, with all that said, um, you know, I still try to stay humble and I still try to help where I can. And uh, I think that will keep you from having really bad adversity if you stay humble. Gotcha. So I'm uh, moving here to, you know, from your career, into um, talking about the Washington football team a bit here. I know you was there when the Washington football team was called the Washington Redskins. So to see um, the Washington football team change their name and you see, you know, other leagues and other teams in other leagues follow that same suit. What do you think about that? I think they're super powerful. I mean, it's, it's something that needed to be done. I mean, look, no one wanted to see the name change just because of the history of the team. And for people, you know, my age, if, you know, if you're in your 40s, if you're in your, you know, late 30s, you recall this team being what you guys would consider like the Patriots. You know, they were the gold standard and um, it was Super Bowl or bust. You know, it wasn't just making the playoffs. I mean, that was a, that was a given. It was if they didn't get to the Super Bowl, the town shut down. It was bad. So... To see it now, to see, you know, the name change and, you know, everything that they're going through. I've always said this. No one wants to see it because it gives old timers like myself a chance to hold on to the good times. But if this team went out this year, you know, goes out and somehow miraculously wins a Super Bowl or or if they win a Super Bowl realistically over the next five years, I mean, they, they could be called, you know, the, the, the Washington dish pans and no one's going to care. <laughs> You're going to see dishpans gear all over the place. You know, everyone wants to attribute themselves with a winner. And I think that that is something that led some feel to the name change and from the outside forces coming at them to change the name because they weren't doing the name any justice, you know, by losing and having just all the chaos and drama that was part of Redskins Park. And now getting into the talent on this football team at the starting quarterback position, Taking over week nine, Alex Smith, a guy who whose story is incredible, should in my mind be the comeback player of the year with a guy who went from maybe not even being able to walk again to doing the unthinkable and starting for quarterback again in his career. So did you or anyone else in the organization think that Alex Smith would be called upon to again take the driver's seat and lead the offense to success the way he has? I know I didn't. I'll be the first person to say. I admit when I'm wrong. I actually said this offseason that, and even when they when he made the final roster, I actually said it's a feel-good story. It's because he's a good guy. He's a, he's a great human being, first and foremost. And, you know, I looked at it like the team was doing a good gesture to put him on the roster so that he could get his money. You know, he could get that guaranteed $64 million. However, he's proved a lot of people wrong, and, and I agree with you. I don't even think there is – anyone close to even being considered to be comeback player of the year, but Alex Smith to overcome what he's done and and everywhere he's been. I think people need to remember, remember when he was in San Francisco, they won football games when he was in Kansas city, they won football games and he's winning games here 
as a starter, I think his record here is like 10 and four. So they win football games everywhere he's been. They're going to need him on the field for the next two weeks if they're going to try to get in the playoffs. Yeah, like one more question about Washington. It's funny because I remember when I was first getting into football, I had a relative that lived in D.C. So I remember the Jason Campbell and the Clinton Portis, Santana Moss, Chris Cooley, guys like that. Those teams were fun to watch. But going back to this Washington team in 2020, I feel like everyone talks about the defense and Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, the job they've done. But I think that if I'm Washington, I look at my offense and say – I got Antonio Gibson. He's had a phenomenal season. Terry McLaurin has been a great story. Cam Sims had that great game against the Steelers. Uh, Logan Thomas, another great story. There are some weapons here. When Absolutely. I mean, I think the offense has started to produce some players, and that's a great point. Um, you know, they're just all unheralded people, so you don't – they didn't come with the glitz and glam. Terry McLaurin was a fourth-round draft pick. I mean, a third-round draft pick, I'm sorry, but uh, – a lot of people didn't even know him at Ohio State. I mean, outside of the state of Ohio, he was like the third or fourth option on that offense at wide receiver, not overall, but I'm talking about at his position. There were a couple guys that went higher to him in the draft at his position from Ohio State, and look at what he's become. He's having a surefire Pro Bowl season. A couple of weeks ago, he was close to having an all-pro season. Obviously, we know quarterback situation does a lot for you as far as you know, you're not getting the ball. And now teams are starting to double team him. He's got a guy over top of him on every play now. Uh, so that's a testament to his game. Antonio Gibson was really starting to come into his own before the toe injury. Hopefully, you know, he can recoup from that. That's a painful injury to have, especially for a running back, guy that cuts and does a lot of things, plants on his foot. Cam Sims, you know, a lot of us have been waiting for this for two years. You know, he's He's a guy that always showed glimpses during preseason games and in training camp. I was always tweeting, man, this guy Cam Sims from Alabama looks like he could be special. Right. And it just never worked out. Um, you know, I was good friends with Ike Hillier, who was uh, the, the wide receivers coach for several years here. Now he's wide receivers coach in Pittsburgh. And Ike used to tell me all the time that Cam has a lot of potential. Jay Gruden was just trying to figure out, is he, is he a guy that you put on the outside? Or is he a guy, ironically, with his size that you put in the slot? Well, I think they found his, his natural niche on the outside here, and you're starting to see him play better. And then Logan Thomas, I mean, he's been one of the more steady players on the roster, period. And I think he's definitely played himself into a, a nice long-term situation here as the team's tight end, or if not one of their two tight ends. I still think they need to draft one. But I think overall he's definitely figures to be part of their plan going forward. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Lewis, since Ron Rivera took over the head coach for the Washington football team this season, what changes has been made towards the organization so far? I mean, they're just a professional outfit. I mean, this is my – I started covering this team kind of off and on 2011. I was covering the Ravens at the same time. Uh, but since I started being here full-time, like 2013, I just – I. I, I you know, great friends on the team. A lot of them are gone now because they were older. Um, okay. But I'm talking about guys who used to come to my house for dinner. I mean, they, I knew so many guys. and But at the same time, I never saw a cohesion and a tightness that I see now with this team. And it's, it's a good feeling to see. And I think you see that these guys play for each other. They never quit. I mean, yesterday was a game that, let's face it, at halftime, you're starting quarterbacks not playing. You're starting running backs not playing. You're down, what, 20 to three, just, you know, against a, a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And they damn near came back and almost stole the game yesterday with their backup quarterback. So 
you know, I just think what Ron Rivera's done is he's come in and brought a level of professionalism and accountability that mm. they hadn't had in a lot of years, at least years that I've been here. And I think it's showing on the field that this is a dangerous up and coming team that I'm going to say, and if they, if they do make the playoffs, I don't care who it is, is going to have to come here for that first game. They're, they're going to be leery and noted. They're going to have to come out and fight for 60 minutes against Washington. So you know how, how terrible the NFC East been this year. And, you know, that has not going over, that has not gone over the media's heads and all the fans and everything. Everybody know, the NFC East has not lived up to, I won't say expectations because normally each year it comes down to the final um, week anyway that decide who wins that NFC East. But right. we didn't think it was going to be this bad. So no, um, I don't think so. I don't think a lot of people thought it was going to be bad. But go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of talk about the Giants and how there was this 0-5 team and Joe Judge came and changed the culture of that organization. And they're getting a lot of love. But – when I look at the Washington football team, I seen a team that went through trial and tribulations throughout the whole year um, with the quarterback situation, with the allegations coming from the women that worked, worked in sports, with Juan Rivera taking IVs at halftime. Do you think that if the Washington football team is able to win this division, able to get into the playoffs and make some noise, do you think this is the biggest story and the biggest success story in the NFL? I, I, listen, I'm not going to say it's number one, but it's definitely might be one B. I mean, I don't think there's been, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying this because I covered the team, but, but I don't know if there's another sports franchise, professional franchise that has gone through more adversity over, you know, a six, seven month period greater than Washington. And I don't care in any sport, you change your historical name. This is one of the oldest teams in the NFL, you know, in football. And they have to change their name. They basically change their whole brand. Um, you have to change your front office because of the allegations and things that happen inside the building. That's another, you know, catastrophic thing you have to overcome. Um, then you're bringing in a coach. And then as soon as your coach gets here, you know, he finds out that he, he has to deal with cancer, you know. So that's a tough blow right there. And then on top of that, you have a young quarterback that's not playing well and, you know, then you, you bring in a guy that had one of the most gruesome leg injuries anyone's ever seen. And, you know, the guy not only almost lost his leg, but he almost lost his life. And now he's coming back. So it's like every week for us in the media, we kept saying, my God, it can't get any worse. And then there was another storyline every week, one after another, after another. Now the team's starting to turn it around. They're winning some games. I, I truly believe in my heart that had Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson played yesterday, they would have beat Seattle. I, I think – I don't think that's a far-fetched thing to say when they had the ball, you know, less than two minutes left with the chance to win the game with, with backups. So, you know, I agree with you that they, they, they've had just a, a crazy year COVID. We didn't even mention that they're dealing with that on top of this. So you have all of the above and they find themselves in a playoff race. And if they win their last two games, which I'm predicting that they will, that's eight and eight for them. There will be no more talk about a losing record team, you know, making the playoff. They'll be 500 and, and having won, I think, what it would be like six out of their last seven if they can accomplish that. Hey, I mean, that's how you want to make the playoffs. That's how you want to go in there. And real quick, just because I, I need to know your thoughts on this, man. A beast among men, the number two overall pick 
in this year's draft, Chase Young, how big and how impactful has his presence been for this defense and how do they plan to maximize his potential going forward? Man, I mean, the guy, the sky's the limit for him. You know, one of the things that doesn't get talked about as much as it should is, and I noticed this from day one, I noticed this from the first game of the season, Chase Young doesn't really sit down on the sidelines when the offense has the ball. He's standing up. He's right near the coaches. Um, he's right near Ron Rivera. He's near um, Scott Turner at times. I mean, you know, he's, he's near any coordinator that's on the sidelines. And for him to do that, it just goes to show you that he's a team player. And I know like two weeks ago after one of the games, Ron Rivera told us, he said that Chase Young has this energy that's just rubbing off on his teammates. And, you know, you know, before yesterday's game, before the game started, you know, all the guys were going up to each other on the sidelines, hugging each other, dapping each other up. And it's just something you, you haven't seen. So to see that from a rookie, a guy that you know is going to be one of your faces of the future um, long term, um, that's a big deal for this organization. So he was more than just the talent they drafted. I think he was a kind of a steadying force, like an old soul in a young man's body. And they need that. But his play's been stellar. I mean, he's clearly been one of the top rookies in the NFL. And he, he's a um, good guy, you could tell, because <clears throat> one of my favorite moments of this season was when Joe Burrow tore his ACL and you saw Chase Young right there, you know, showing the brother love because they both came out of the same draft class, one and two. Yeah. So he yeah. just laid a hit on him to play like a couple plays before. And to see that moment, that was one of the moments right there that stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, and they played together at Ohio State. You know, obviously Joe Burrow transferred to LSU, so they had history there. But, you know, that's the other thing. You know, Terry McLaurin is, is you know, probably their face on offense, and he's a young, humble guy. Every time he talks to us, it's about the team. It's about what he can do better, what he didn't do to help his team win. So it's not a whole lot of look at my accolades, look at who I'm becoming. I, I just don't sense that with the guys on this year's team, and, and I think that's a tribute going back to – Ron Rivera, their coach, you know, you, you do take on the personality of your coach. Joe Judge in New York, I think he's done a phenomenal job. They're playing tough, hard-nosed football there. That's who he is. Um, if you look at the dysfunction that's going on in Philadelphia as far as quarterbacks and guys talking, well, unfortunately, that's a product of your coaching staff because some of them aren't on the same page. We don't even need to talk about Dallas, I mean, because they, they've had their own issues too with their coaching staff. But when you look at the great teams in the NFL, it starts at the very top. And when you look at the Andy Reeds and you look at the Sean Paytons, stability means something in this league. And Mike Tomlin, got to mention Mike Tomlin. I know Pittsburgh's kind of sputtering a little bit now, but still, to, to see what he's done, stability does a lot, man. And if you have a coach that is respected and feared at the same time in the locker room, I think you're going to see a lot of great things going on, and that's what they have here. Ron Rivera is respected, but make no mistake about it, no one's no one's jumping up to get beat down, so to speak. <laughs> you know, if they have an opinion of something with him, you're going to do what he asks you to do. Yeah, as you said, the Washington football team right now is in a really good spot to win the NFC East. They control their own destiny with the last two games. And one thing that I've really noticed about this year's team is that early in the season, they were losing some games, even though there were some signs that they were – improving they lost that game to Detroit they got swept by the Giants so there were some moments where even though there was some optimism I kind of thought to myself okay I don't I don't really know how far this team could go and then obviously when they went into Pittsburgh and won I got the statement like all right this defense could go into anywhere and just wreck a game they're that good when did you kind of realize okay this team may be better than we all expected I thought it was week one 
I mean, the Philadelphia game, the way they came back in that game and kind of signaled that Philadelphia was probably going to fall on some tough times this year. That was a sign. And, and then also, I think the week three game against the Browns, uh, you know, Cleveland looks really good. I mean, you saw what they did last night to the Giants. They dismantled them. You know, the way they moved the football, the way they were doing things. And I know it was early and Cleveland was still figuring some things out. But that was a game that despite how bad Haskins played in that game, I think he had three interceptions in that game, they still hung around in, in the fourth quarter. They were kind of around in the game. And you started to see, you know what, this is a team that's not going to give up. They're going to fight. If they can just put it all together for 60 minutes, they'll be able to win some games. And I knew it wasn't going to ever be pretty. I mean, I knew that they weren't going to ever really just totally steamroll teams like, like how they did the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. But, right. but you knew – that they had a defense that was good enough to keep them in games. And, and you just were hoping that Haskins would get it together. You were hoping that Kyle Allen could be a steadying force. But I, I've told people, and it's on record, I mean, you can look it up. I, I, I said it on ABC. I, I said it on my own outlet that I knew in that building and in that locker room, take nothing away from the other two quarterbacks, but those guys love Alex Smith and they know he's a true leader and they play for him. They rally around him. I had a good friend of mine. I tell people this story, too. A good friend of mine who used to work in Kansas City when Alex was there, when the trade was happening, um, you know, uh, Therese Paler. He's doing stuff for Yahoo now. He called me and was like, you guys just got a leader of men. You're going to love him. And, and that's what happened, you know. So I knew when he came back in, things might start to change. And I, and I told someone in the press box, wouldn't it be crazy if Alex Smith came back and was, you know, player, comeback player of the year, and also led this team to the playoffs. Whoever can get the book rights for that is going to make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, Cam, we have just about three minutes if you want to ask one last thing. Well, Mr. Lewis, one last question. So sure. uh, are, is the Washington football team expected to change their name for the 20, uh, 2021 season, or, like, they will still remain as the Washington football team? I mean, I can't, I can't answer that verbatim, but, but, you know, if you're asking me just to say my own opinion, what yeah. I think is going to happen, I think they're keeping the name. I think they're keeping Washington football team as the name. I still think they're going to come up with a logo and a nickname, <clears throat> excuse me, and it could be very similar to, you know, the New York football giants. No one says that. It's the New York giants. Mm -hmm. So it still could be the Washington football mm -hmm. team and still have the branding of it, 1932, all that. But it could be the Washington football team, Warriors, something like that. And I actually think that's where they're going. Okay. Right, Thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate you spending your time out of your schedule. And we hope that you have a good Christmas, a, a very Merry Christmas with you and your family. Well, I appreciate you guys having me come on. And, and like I said before, you guys uh, stay, stay tight, you know, you know, stay with the same vision, keep pushing and um, you guys will do some great things. And, Anytime you want me to come on, just give me a buzz. I'll come on, okay? Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We, Lewis. we really appreciate it. And that's Lake Lewis Jr., ladies and gents. This has been another episode of the In the Huddle Sports Podcast.